Welcome, everyone, to the 5Rs podcast, which, Scotty, do you recall what 5R stands for? You are the co-host, after all. Uh, that's right. Um, we are Radical Reflections. I, oh, boy, did I mess that up already? Uh, <laughs> these are uh, Redeemer Radical Reformed reflections for reading rightly well that was six r's i think right there but i I like adding reform maybe we'll be the six r's starting next season i don't know uh (laughs) radical editing i'm not editing any of this out it's staying in perfect uh but yes redeemer radical reflections from reading rightly because we're a couple guys from redeemer church and tomball who reflect on god's word after reading it rightly um Again, with the uh, power of uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, guiding us. Um, but today we are looking at 46, 47, and 48 of Isaiah, which is, you know, kind of the second half of Isaiah, which is chapters 40 through 66. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, chapters about... Uh, the power of God and his promises of, of redemption and certainly a lot of prophecy about uh, the Messiah coming. Um, but that half can also, I guess, can be divided further into two halves and kind of the, that first half is chapters 40 through 48. Uh, and so we're kind of concluding uh, that section of Isaiah this evening. A lot of talk about, uh, the gods and idols of Babylon about Babylon itself, but then also some uh, rebukes for uh, Israel, right. As well uh, to conclude this section, but Scotty, what are you, what are your initial thoughts on uh, these three chapters? So 46 is the best um, out of the three chapters. Uh, the one I wrote the most about and is essentially the Lord is uh, talking to Babylon about their uh, addiction to idols and once again pointing out their uh, inability to do all the things that they promise and rather showing that he can do those things if they uh, can't. Uh, Then uh, he wants to talk about um, Israel, right? So we move on to uh, some warnings for Israel and then some new messages for them um, that he is not previously disclosed to them and uh, wants to really drive home the point that these are not things he's mentioned before. Right. There's uh, the talk of, yeah, this new uh, covenant and uh, stuff that he's, yeah, kind of sets up for the rest of Isaiah, certainly with all the, the songs of the servant who, you know, who we now know is is Jesus. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and dive into chapter 46 here. Um, and yes, guys, you mentioned, right. A lot of talk about the idols and, and gods of Babylon, which, you know, I, 46 is like, it's like God's response to the people of Israel who, or, or just the people in general who might say that Babylon's gods are greater Right. Because right in Near Eastern culture, right, if one country conquers another country, 
then it's 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 viewed that that country's gods are stronger than the defeated you know uh nation's gods um so a lot of people would look and say oh well you know babylon's gods you know bel and nebu nebo you know are greater than yahweh because babylon defeated israel right and this is kind of god's uh response to that right exactly so uh he, he starts out verse 46 chapter 46 verse one uh, he says, Bell bows down and Nebo stoops. Uh, but to be honest, the uh, the NLT, the New Living Translation, uses the word cower. And I like that because the next verse he says, their idols are on beasts and livestock um, or cattle. Uh, and so there's a little bit of wordplay in English there that uh, since these gods are cowering, uh, they're being carried by cows, right? The yeah. picture... The picture here is uh, Babylon is moving, right? They are, uh, because they are going to be the ones uh, getting conquered. And their gods are going to be uh, heavy burdens. Uh, he, he says, these things you carry are born as burdens. This is the ESV I'm reading. Uh, born as burdens on weary beasts. He says, yeah. you, you think these you think that they are going to provide you this fulfillment and all they do is add to your work. Right. The idols hinder you. They're not helping. Like if you compare like to how Yahweh is described in chapter 40 of Isaiah, it's like. Yeah, right. You're the you have to carry these idols, right? You carry them around and it. And, it, and again, this is this is God right mocking. Right. Because he's like, oh, these poor animals that you are, you know, making having to carry around your idols. Um, absolutely. And then like and then verses three and four. Right. OK. Our idols must be carried like in verse one. But here, verse three and four, God's saying that he carries us. Right. He 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 chose me. Long before I was created, right? So I have nothing to boast about then because I haven't done any, I hadn't done anything yet to deserve that. Um, right? It, it says, right, from your birth to your old age. So he is, he is sovereign and he cares for me my whole life. So whereas idols, I have to carry them around and they don't help me. God, on the other hand, carries me through my entire life, constantly uh, helping me. Right, like that uh, Russian comedian who would say, "You know, in a you know, uh, in Israel, God carries you, uh, but in Babylon, uh, you carry God." Um, the the relationship is just turned completely on its head. He uses the same words like "carry" and and "born." Uh, to show that uh, the things that he ought to be doing for us, we're instead doing for something else. And then verse four, yeah. uh, even to your old age, um, uh, the pulpit commentary said that <clears throat> even moms stop taking care of their kids at some point, right? They say, um, okay, you're a man now or, or a woman, you know, you're, you do these things for yourself. Uh, but the Lord uh, takes care of us far longer 
because he's there for us uh, our whole lives. He's he's never taking his hand off of our lives. Mm-hmm. So then God says, you know, verses five through seven, right? To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike, right? Certainly not idols, of course. Uh, but because, yeah, it's impossible, right, to compare the eternal God with a finite creature. Uh, but again, the, these verses mock idols, right? Mock these Babylonian gods or, or these uh, pagan deities, um, right? Talks about how those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, right? That's verse six. Because these idols are made out of gold, so the idols are costly, right? They cost you uh, to have them. Um, and then, of course, verse 7, right? They lift it, the, the idols, to their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place, and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. So, again, he's just mocking idols right after declaring what he has done and will do in all these previous chapters and and previous verses yeah verse seven you know he he talks more about uh lifting and carrying the gods um who can't move and he says if one cries to it it does not answer or save him from his trouble and so i think of all the times that i turn to idols because I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in trouble. I feel like I, I need something. Um, and so, uh, I, I wrote down the example of food, right? That, um, you're stressed or anxious, uh, or, and you think, you know, this is really going to make me feel better. And then does it make you feel better? Uh, not in my experience, uh, in general, uh, it's not only is it not going to help, um, but it's, it's going to make things worse. Uh, so he says, remember this and stand firm. Um, and I think in context, he's talking about remember the fact that idols don't do what they promise and stand firm, recall it to mind uh, and remember the things of old. He's, he's asking you to look back at uh, your life, look back at your relationship with idolatry and to try to pick a time where you benefited from worshiping this false god uh he essentially is daring us because we can't do it right he's saying uh he and he repeats himself right remember recall remember so he's this is calling not just not just for you to think about you know oh yeah i guess idols are impotent and god is um you know omnipotent but it's a like a serious meditation right you really need to sit and think about this um and think about god's deliverances in the past right yeah and and just the the him commanding us to remember points out the fact that we're going to forget Mm. he says you you need to actively put this in front of yourself because if you don't you're just going to stuff it in a drawer somewhere and start living like everyone else again so then right verse 10 
we have a very clear declaration of God's sovereignty, right? Uh, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose, right? This is why we know he can predict the future because he decides what is all going to happen uh, and he accomplishes it. And then, right, verse 11, again, he, he declares what he's about to do, right? He's going to call a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. Um, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Right, That's verse 11. Um, God is always accomplishing what he wants. Right. Uh, and, and we know that he always has. But right. Verse 11 seems, again, just like from verse or from chapter 45 and, and elsewhere. Right. He's again talking about Cyrus, right, the Persian king who's going to destroy the Babylonian Empire and allow the Israelites to return to their homeland. He says in uh, verse 12, he says they're not just far from their homeland or um, uh, they're actually far from him. He says, Hmm. uh, stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness, uh, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. And my salvation will not delay. I'll put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Um, so using that same imagery of everyone being scattered, uh, that they're also scattered from him. But he's not going to let that happen. you know. And instead of saying he's going to bring them all together, which he already has said, he says that he's going to go to them. He's, he's going to bring his righteousness and salvation to them. Right. It's a gift from him alone. Right. We're not doing anything to achieve his righteousness or his salvation. We're yeah, we're stubbornly holding on to our sin. But God is coming and and, and he's going to save us. And, you know, as we know now in, in the New Testament, right, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You ready to move on to 47? Let's do it. So, right, so now there's further judgment now in, in 47, right, for uh, Babylon itself, right? There was judgment kind of on Babylon for it, uh, or on Babylon's idols in 46. And now in this chapter, uh, God is turning towards the nation of Babylon itself. And we've talked about this earlier in, in this podcast uh, when talking about Babylon, right? And we know in the Bible Babylon is not always just referring to the Chaldean Empire, right, from this time period, right? First Peter 5, 13, uh, you know, calls basically the Roman Empire Babylon. Uh, Revelation 17 and 18 talks about Babylon. Babylon has always been, you know, viewed as the, the prosperous and powerful nations that are ultimately run by Satan, right? If a nation's not a theocracy, you know, Satan is ultimately behind it and, 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 you know, uh, influencing these rulers. So it's, it's all these nations that are great and powerful, but they're wicked and hostile towards God's people. That's right. He's going to, um, talk to them about how he used them, uh, for a purpose, but that they were harsher than they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells him that, uh, you know, she was the princess, but now uh, she needs to get ready for the dirt. Right. 
she's going to start doing uh, female slave labor. This is the personified version of Babylon. Uh, so she's gone from this exalted position. She's going to go from this exalted position to uh, the lowest of the low, um, from Prada to Nada, if you will. <laughs> and uh, But the Lord is going to do yeah. this. So kind of going back to uh, the claim that the gods of Babylon succeeded, um, he's going to say, no, their, their time's coming. Right. Virgin daughter of Babylon, right? Babylon by this point, at least for a long time, but then undefiled by invaders, right? The, 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 the nations that have always been great and powerful, it seems like, oh, yeah, nothing will ever get us. Um, but yeah, right. Verse two, take the millstones and grind flour. You're now doing slave work. Uh, there's Your nakedness shall be uncovered, meaning you're going to be made vulnerable um you're going to be you know found uh, in disgrace and poverty um showing off your nakedness yeah so right so the lord so like verse and then it says verse four right our redeemer the lord of hosts his name is the holy one of israel you know it almost it it almost seems odd at first that you after all this this judgment and, and and vengeance on Babylon that then people declare the Lord's praise. But right, the people of Israel knew and, and we know, right, destroying the world empire saves his people. Right. Uh, we believe that Jesus will take revenge on the quote unquote Babylon. Right. Uh, in the end and will redeem us. And even the, the phrase like the Holy One of Israel is talking about, you know, spiritual redemption, right? It goes beyond just the people of Israel being saved from Babylon. It's, it's, it's referencing God's people, which includes the church, ultimately being rescued from the kingdoms of this world. So verse five, sit in silence and go into darkness, right? Just, uh... The Chaldeans are no longer going to be the center of attention. They're going to be found in anguish. Um, and yes, Scotty, as, as you mentioned, right? I was angry with my people. This is verse six. I profaned my heritage. I gave them into your hand. You showed them no mercy, right? Babylon went too far. They were, even though God is going to punish Israel for what it's done, Babylon was wicked and murderous and oppressive towards the people of God. Uh, even though Babylon was God's tool, God is still going to judge them, right, because of their uh, wicked motives. Even in verse 7, it says, you said, I shall be mistress forever, so that you did not lay these things to heart or remember their end. So Babylon is going to get judged, uh, particularly, right, because of their pride. They are taking credit for God's accomplishments. God used them to punish Israel. But Babylon is actually then going, oh, look how great I am. And I'm going to be right. The, the queen of the earth, you know, or, or the mistress of kingdoms forever. Yeah, I wonder uh, about times that the Lord has used us uh, to to humble someone else. 
it has allowed us some measure of prosperity uh, in order to uh, teach someone else and uh, that you or I uh, would have responded the same way and said, man, look how great I did. <laughs> you know, look, look how hard I tried. Look how, uh, look how committed uh, I am uh, when in reality, the Lord is doing something else for someone else. Um, and we just take the credit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, verse eight, kind of the same thing, right? Uh, who, who say in your heart, I am, and there's no one besides me. I mean, I am, right, is the title of the Lord. So Babylon is claiming sovereignty like God, right? Mm-hmm. There is no one beside me. That's the same declaration God made in Isaiah 42, 8. And, and you know, saying that he won't share his glory. So mm-hmm. God's not going to share his glory with Babylon. You're right. He's, right. he's, he's going to say that. Yeah, he, he's going to say that again. Uh, and he's also calling back to 46, 9, which said, For I am God, and there is no other. I'm God, and there is none like me. Uh, mm-hmm. So verbatim saying there is no one besides me uh this is almost a, a direct quote um only you use some white out over the the lord and put their own name yep and they said I, I shall not be as a widow or know the loss of children and he says these two things shall come on you in moments and one day loss of children and widowhood shall come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and the great power of your enchantments Right, the same, the very, the the exact disasters they think would never happen to them, it's going to happen to them very suddenly. Um, and then in verse ten, right, you felt secure in your wickedness. You said, "No one sees me." Right, meaning there's no one that's going to hold me accountable for what I do. Uh, it says verse ten, your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray, and you said in your heart, right, again, I am, and there is no one besides me. This is, right, the world's wisdom from an unregenerate heart as compared to true wisdom, right? If you think about like in Proverbs, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is, this is not true wisdom that they are using um, when, you know, making decisions about uh, themselves or, or, or just how they view life and how they, they go about things. But I thought this was interesting, right? As, as I'm reading this uh, about Babylon, especially in these verses, right, 8 through 10, uh, you know, Scotty, you and I, this is, it's the year 2021 in, in the United States. America is still on top of the world militarily, economically, but that won't always be the case, right? Right. Uh, America could very well go the route of Babylon, especially because there is so much sin or un- unregenerate sin in this in our culture now. Um, I think it's very important then that we as Christians put our refuge in the Lord and not in, you know, our culture our government, our, our, you know, capitalism, our military or, or, or 
you know, any of those things. Right. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, uh, Britain, the British empire was kind of the, uh, the center of the world. The, they competed with dominance for a couple of other countries um, that uh, aren't major players uh, today the way that they were. So there is in entirely a possibility uh, that we'll be in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So in verse 11, but evil shall come upon you, which you will not how to charm away. Disaster shall fall upon you, for which you will not be able to atone. The ruin shall come upon you suddenly, of which you know nothing. Um, right, we don't, I mean, Babylon here, yes, but then even just us, right? We have no salvation. We have no help against anything, right, apart from God, right? Like that phrase, you will not be able to atone. We're not going to be able to prevent uh, judgment on us. Babylon was not, and we're not going to be able to either um, unless we right, flee to Christ um, for his mercy. Absolutely. Uh, let me skip to verse uh, 13. Okay. It says, you are wearied with your many counsels. Uh, basically, they're uh, trying to use sorcery, trying to use these uh, pagan gods uh, to find out about the future to ensure that they uh, keep all this power that they've um, worked hard or prayed hard to get. Um, and he says, all this stuff that you're doing in order to maintain your power, he says, aren't you tired? Uh, <laughs> um, not only are you not getting anywhere, but now you're exhausted. You've spent all your strength uh looking for the stars he can you know he he even kind of spells it out uh to say that they're using like astronomy and he says uh, you guys are just making yourself tired right there's even yeah verses 12 and 13 there's a lot of there's like a there's a lot of mocking of Babylon, right, for relying on their idols, relying on their own wisdom and, and astrology and, and those things. And then even in verse 14, right, it says, Behold, they, the, the astrologers, are like stubble. So they're worthless. They're quickly and easily burned, right? Stubble burns up fast, immediately. It doesn't. Need, it's not even a slow burn like wood or, or logs, right? And verse 14, right? They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. So if the astrologers, if the, you know, the, uh, the elite, the wise of the culture can't save themselves, then Babylon is certainly doomed. And then in verse 15, right? Such to you are those with whom you have labored, who have done business with you from your youth. They wander about each in his own direction. There is no one to save you, right? They just wander around. When God's truth is rejected, guidance becomes subjective and and confusing, right? Basically, everything Babylon relies on is going to end up forsaking her. That's right. So then, then he moves on and sort of addresses Israel, wouldn't you say? Right. 48, he's he's moving on from Babylon to uh, Israel. 48 is kind of his, right, kind of a summary, 
certainly starting definitely starting in verse 12 but yeah 48 overall is kind of uh the lord's summary of the last eight chapters basically for for israel he starts off really by right bringing home to the people their sinful condition right he says hear this uh you know who swear by the name of the lord and confess the god of israel but not in truth or right. right? And then verse two, for they call themselves the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is his name. So he's accusing Israel of going through the motions, right? They offer just mere lip service to God, but they are not true believers. And the Lord is going to show Israel how corrupt and sinful they really are. You could say kind of an, an example of like today, is, you know, people who go, well, I'm a Christian because I was, you know, because my parents were Christians or I, you know, oh, because of tradition's sake, you know, my family goes to church on Christmas and Easter um, or even, you know, hey, I, I go to church every Sunday because I'm told I'm supposed to. Um, but, yeah, you know, people who are Christians, but really are Christians in name only. Uh, so 48 verse three, the Lord says, the former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth. I announced them. Suddenly I did them and they came to pass. So he talks about how he's not merely seeing the future. He is uh, declaring he's making it happen rather. So uh, it's different than just seeing something in the stars. It's actually moving the stars, making uh, the things that are supposed to happen, happen. Right. And he's doing it suddenly. Right. So there's no basically showing, right, that only God could actually do it. It's not something gradual that humans are working towards. Right. Uh, God predicts this and all of a sudden, boom, it, he did it. Right. And also uh, the humanist or like deist uh, idea that God set things into motion and then stepped away. Um, we have it refuted right here because God says he takes an active role in what's happening. He says it's not just this. Uh, machine I set up. Uh, he says, this is actually something where I, you know, I'm uh, stroking with a brush, basically showing uh, new, new things, causing them to happen, causing these changes. Mm -hmm. And then verse four, right? Why is the Lord declaring things and then showing that he does it? Uh, it's because I know that you are obstinate and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass, right? This goes beyond just saying that the people of Israel are stiff necked and hard headed, right? Uh, this is a shameless persistence in sin and opposition to the truth. Well, but God constantly telling what will happen and then doing it right proves his sovereignty showing right that the idols are, are worthless. That's right. And when he compares them to iron and, and brass, he's actually calling out the idols once more, saying, you guys are actually like the things that the Babylonians worship. Ah. You're, you're like these unmoving, unfeeling hunks of iron and uh, metal. Right. So now verse six, there's, there's kind of a change, right? The Lord is now calling for repentance. 
you have heard now see all this and will you not declare it right so he's like saying just admit it admit who i am you know i or i need to admit who i am and i need to admit who god is um then the lord says right from this time forth i announce to you new things hidden things that you have not known and then verse seven they are created right so they're brand new now not long ago before today you have never heard of them lest you should say behold i knew them uh, so it makes me think of a, a newscaster saying you know you heard it here first folks right uh, because the lord is saying like you know and i deal with this kind of stuff with my kids all the time where you'll you know let them know some some big revelation or even what you're doing that day and they'll be like oh yeah i know i, I know all about that you are like no i know for a fact you didn't know <laughs> Yep. But this is right. This is uh, talking about this new revelation. It's it's a it's going to be a new covenant, um, a new covenant between God and his people. Right. Which are not we, we find are not just going to include his people that are of Israel, but also uh, people chosen from the Gentile nations as well. Right. This deliverance from sin we will find is through. Right, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Verse eight: You have never heard, you have never known, from an old ear, or from of old, your ear has not been open. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from birth you were called a rebel. Right, that's what. So he's saying, why this new revelation has been kept hidden for so long? It's because Israel would have credited their idols. Instead of God for this deliverance. Uh, when you call, you know, especially in the Bible, right? When you are called to something or you're called something, it's a revelation of the true nature. So in this case, Israel and us, right? We are, we are called rebels because it is our true nature to rebel against the Lord. And we're like that from birth. Yep. And I said, uh, uh, part of the revelation is letting him know um, why he's doing this. And he says, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I might not cut you off. Right. Um, Verse nine. Yep. He says, you, yeah, you didn't earn this. Um, this is for me. This is uh, how I express who I am. Right. I deserved his his wrath in full force, but he waits patiently. He holds it back so that he can give us grace, right? Reminds me of uh, Isaiah 30, 18, right? He waits to be gracious to us. But yeah, the Lord delayed his wrath on Israel and, and on us so that he could eventually pour it out on his son, right? It is so that thus satisfying his justice but also giving us salvation it's a great verse 48 9 yep in verse 10 behold i've refined you right so it's uh talking about just a lessened judgment right that's going to cause transformation in israel right it's he talks about suffering that is used to drive us to him but he's not going to allow israel to be destroyed because he's 
sake his covenant, right? Verse 11, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profane? My glory I will not give to another. He's committed to the glory of his name. So he's not going to forsake his covenant and thus cause everybody to go, ah, look, you know, Yahweh doesn't fulfill his covenant to to his people, right? But that's also encouragement for us, right? It means that he's never going to let, he's never... He's never going to let me go. That's right. He repeats that my glory I will not give to another because that's what Babylon wants to do is um, at, at worst share. And that's what um, the, the theology of like divine synergy that like God works uh, in conjunction with uh, human uh, action um, is saying that we we got to share glory you know you get some we get some uh and god says no it, there's a um there's no room mm-hmm. so in verses 12 through 16 i think is a great summary of chapters 40 through 48 right it starts with the lord talking about you know restating his sovereignty in verses 12 and 13, right? Talking about how he's eternal and unchanging. He is self-sustaining. He's sovereign. He's the creator of the cosmos. And then creation also serves him, right? When he calls them, they stand forth together. He's the master of the universe as well. That's right, including the stars and moons that... Babylon sought to get uh, messages from. Right. Verse 14. Assemble. So now he's right now again, he's talked. This is kind of the, the summary of uh, these other chapters in which he calls all the idol worshipers to assemble. Right. So he says, assemble all of you and listen who among them, right? The idols has declared these things. Uh, so he's talking about again, right? His argument that I tell you what's going to happen, and then I accomplish these things, thus proving that I am God, and these idols are worthless. And he restates these things that he says in, in the second half of verse fourteen. Right? The Lord loves him; he shall perform his purpose on Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. He's talking about Cyrus again. And how he has singled Cyrus out for a special purpose. And he says, I, verse 15, I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him and he will prosper in his ways. Right? He called Cyrus just as in verse 13, he calls the heavens and earth. Mm-hmm. Well, and so uh, here, verse 15, uh, uh, Herodotus actually said that uh, Cyrus... Um, had no uh, no resistance. Basically, he had he had no uh, no check on his power until his death. <laughs> so uh, nobody put up any real resistance until the day he died, uh, and that is uh, you know that's extra biblical. Meaning, this is a, a historian uh, looking at it from a different perspective. Uh, still uh, saw him as someone who prospered in his way, um, and of course, right now we're also looking forward to the better Cyrus, the better deliverer, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, who is also called and who is also going to prosper 
uh, in everything he does. Right, which, I mean, brings us to verse 16, right? Draw near to me, hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. Right, the 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 eternal God speaks and acts, um, and then it says, "And now the Lord God has sent me and His Spirit." Oh, that's a Trinity alert, isn't it? Trinity alert! <laughs> right, you have God the Father, and then has sent me. This is as you as as you pointed out, Scotty. Most most scholars agree. This is talking about the greater Cyrus, the true servant, who we now know as Jesus, um, who comes into the world, sent by the Father and the Spirit to save the world. Right? Yeah, salvation is the work of the triune God. Um, and this is the servant that is. So the last part of verse 16 is words spoken by the servant of chapters 42. And he's gonna, we're going to do 49, 50, and 53, right, is, is this servant that we're going to uh, examine further. Right. And uh, then the Lord reminds us who he is, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord our God, uh, teaches us to profit, leads us in the way we should go. Uh, and then verse 18, he, sa- he says, man, I-, I wish that you had paid attention to my commandments. Mm-hmm. He says, you guys could have avoided, uh, in context, it sounds like he's saying, you guys could have avoided the Babylonian captivity uh, if you guys um, had had listened. And I know, you know, uh, one of my bosses talks about his young adult son and, and says all the time, repeating the phrase, you know, if only he had listened, you know, we this this predicament after this predicament. Um, just uh, listening to the Lord uh, could have meant so much. And I, I think that's a place that, uh, you know, you and I should examine ourselves and say, um, we're, uh, we need to um, pay attention to what the Lord is telling us, uh, even specifically in this text, um, so that we don't end up in the same place. Right. I mean, the, the Israel's history and, and my history, right, is, is one of, faithlessness and yeah god sees our broken lives and he laments right if if only we had done it his way Mm -hmm. um then all these wonderful things would have happened you know for us and in our lives all right so the the abrahamic covenant uh breaks down to three promises land seed and blessing and here uh the lord sort of replaces those uh or expands on them and says uh, you would have had peace righteousness and offspring uh and that's again just explaining what how his treatment would have been different um if uh, god's people would have listened to him uh, listened to his commandments and then he goes on uh to tell them uh to go out from babylon free from chaldea uh declare this with a shout of joy and proclaim it send it out to the ends of the earth the lord has redeemed his servant jacob um and that's where he that's where he wants us to to be. That's where he wants us to feel is people who are redeemed and who share it. Right. Where we need to separate ourselves from 
Babylon, right? The, so for Israel, obviously, it was the Chaldean Empire. But even for us now, right, separate ourselves from the sins, the wicked culture of uh, the powerful nations of this earth. Um, and yeah, and it, and, it, and it talks about, right, it's to the ends of the earth. So this is a worldwide call for all of God's people, the spiritual Israel. Um, Revelation 18, four through five. Um, Revelation 18 uh, is titled the fall of Babylon. So in this case, right again, talking about the kingdoms of this earth, but verses four and five says, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So I think, you know, Revelation is, that section of Revelation is, is a reference also to this, in that we, as, as Christians, are ultimately going to be rescued, right, from this earth and from um, the kingdoms that are... Um, antagonistic towards uh the lord and and towards the gospel that's right um, the uh the analog for us could be christians who are so um uh so proud to be an american um that uh they they don't worry about the um the negative aspects of um aligning uh with what america espouses and one day when the lord um, decides to call in, um, call in uh, judgment on uh, things he isn't uh, proud of. Uh, Christians who uh, aren't calling themselves out, calling themselves to live a different kind of life, uh, I think they're going to be really sadly surprised. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 21, they did not thirst when he led them through the deserts he made water flow for them from the rock he split the rock and the water gushed out um so these are right these are stories and images of the exodus right from egypt um there's no account of those same things happening for israel when they leave babylon right Mm -hmm. um right he's looking backward uh, not forward right this is really pointing right to this new exodus right in in christ where the people where god's people are let out from their sin and into god's kingdom that's and right uh, he didn't prevent them from walking through the deserts but he provided for them um and that's an important thing for us to see is that uh, we're not promised uh, a lack of trouble uh, but we're promised provision within those troubles. And I think having that mindset uh, allows us to uh, go through a lot of things we didn't think we could, knowing that the Lord's going to be there with us, uh, providing for us. And mm-hmm. that's the heart he wants us to have. And then verse 22, he says, there ain't no rest for the wicked, right? <laughs> yep. If you return to your sin, it's just going to all start over again, right? Um, 
And I think it's important that, yeah, verse 22, the wicked, that also includes those who are not truly devoted to him. Uh, the people who, you know, God calls out in verse one of chapter 48 also. Uh, that's right. And then uh, from there, he says, you're, you're, you're going to pick up those same burdens again. Uh, if you don't remember uh, what I've just been explaining to you about how there's, there's no one besides me, no one like me, no one who can provide for you the way that I do, uh, then instead of me carrying you, you're going to wind up being the beast of burden again, carrying uh, things. Well, that ends it. Verse or chapter 48. We are. Uh, well, we what about we made it through those three chapters? You got an application for us, George? Yeah. Um, so first off, uh, flee from idols. Perfect. Right. Uh, uh, we have already talked quite a bit about idols in, in previous episodes. Uh, you know, Scotty gave a, a, a self-assessment. And then so did I in, in a previous episode that you can do if you're not sure what the idols you have in your life are. But uh, guaranteed, you do have them. Um, so it's important to know what those are. And right as, as it says in, uh, excuse me, in chapter, I lost it because there's three chapters. Chapter 46, <laughs> uh, in chapter 46, verse 8. Right. To uh, remember and recall and remember, um, remember that your idols are worthless. They've never actually helped you. They've never given you the value that you desire. They've never uh, fulfilled you as you hope they would. Uh, but God can. Right. God is omnipotent. He can accomplish or he will accomplish everything he sets out to do, he will fulfill his promises to you if you will simply uh, trust and obey. And, and part of that, right, is fleeing to Christ. The servant uh, mentioned in chapter 48, verse 16, the one who's going to be sent to save the world, uh, you know, trust in Christ, remember the promises of Christ, of, of, uh, eternal life uh, with with the Lord uh, and, and a relationship with the God of the universe. What you got, Scotty? Well, I think he calls out the specific idol of uh, national pride, uh, mm -hmm. which is not to say uh, that I want everybody to start uh, being derogatory uh, towards uh, their respective countries, but rather just to look at the areas in which uh, the Lord wants you to be different, to come out of those uh, areas, and um, also uh, to, uh, if you guys are listening to this and you have a story about uh, serving an idol uh, where it actually did uh, fulfill you and your life was improved, uh, please send us an email and let <laughs> us know um, because where we're, we're standing, we want to rely on the Lord. Uh, we, we want you uh, to rely on the Lord, um, and uh, part of that means uh, seeing what you do 
basically going through the process that you have when you feel out of control, when you feel unfulfilled, when you feel uh, any of the ways that you feel when you need an idol, right? Um, What do you run to first? Uh, Because that's the thing. That's the thing that's not fulfilling you. And not only is it not fulfilling you, it's weighing you down. So if you're listening to this and you feel exhausted uh, by all the idols that you're carrying around, uh, you feel uh, all the things that you go to for your identity are taking it from you instead. Uh, this is your chance to lay those down um, and to let the Lord uh, reveal to you what he has uh, for you, what he's doing. And again, that's an active doing. Uh, he didn't uh, set the world into motion and back away. Uh, he is uh, active uh, he is here. Uh, he is trying to bring his righteousness to his people. Um, and that's, that's what we need to look for. Look for the Lord's um, uh, fingerprints and how he is actively orchestrating our lives. And although that's not uh, the most concrete application, uh, it is uh, something I uh, plan to be doing this week. Awesome. Great. Well, all right. That's it. Um, next week we'll be looking at Isaiah 49 and 50, which is the second and third of the four servant songs of, uh, Isaiah. So we will be getting to look, uh, in more detail, I guess, at the prophecies about the coming Messiah in Isaiah. So that'll be a very exciting, uh, episode to look at. Absolutely. But that is it. Uh, so, signing off for Redeemer Radical Reflections from Reading Rightly. Um, or, of course, you can always just call us the five R's. Uh, I'm George Cagle and joined by Scotty Jinks saying adios. See you later.